The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. Also, every month we're going to be giving away any one item to a Patreon backer at the $5 tier or above. Check out patreon.com slash professional casual for more information. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Space Between on the Professional Casual Network. We are continuing our coverage of Season 2 of the Amazon video series, The Boys. I am your host, Tim, Executive Producer France, and uh, with me tonight, I have my co-host, my cohort, and most importantly, my co-conspirator uh, of the Space Between, uh, Dan Cole. Oh, that's my role this time. Yeah. Cool. Uh, also from uh, FancyBat.com and host of the Cast, we have Ben Relaford. Hello, hello. And lastly, a very special guest tonight. Uh, he is the host, the owner, the operator of the comic book rundown. It's Joe Gennaro. Hi, guys. Hey. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you guys, too. Um, as, as we always do, we like to start these out uh, with a special little segment um, where Ben has some goodies for us. Ben, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, so many to choose, but today for the out-of-context moments from the graphic novels, we have the hero Tech Knight has a psychological disorder that causes him to stick his dick in everything, such as a teammate, a pot of coffee, and his butler's ear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. The order you put those in was interesting. <laughs> that's the order it happened in. I was just oh, being true yeah, to the source yeah. material. <laughs> That is absolutely beautiful. So um, there's always more is the beautiful thing about oh it. We could do a 500 episode series and I wouldn't run out. No, no, you no, you wouldn't. I've, no, I've read that, uh, half of the series myself and oh boy. Oh, you're horning in on my territory. No, no, no. no well, really, really? <laughs> I'm supposed to be the specialist here, no, man. You're still a specialist because I've only read uh, it once. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. I've only read it once. Well, okay. half of once. So you're still the specialist. Trust me. <laughs> And that guy's name is Tech Knight or Tech Noir? Tech Knight. Tech Knight. And he's like the Batman slash Iron Man guy? Uh, yeah, he's he's like super Batman. Gotcha. Big right. Double Batman. Double Batman. <laughs> so he's been mentioned, I believe, in the show only in passing. Yeah, it was a um, movie they were going to, I think. I believe it was like some movie yeah. premiere. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see him at some point. I'm really kind of holding out hope for the Blarney Cock to make his... Uh, <laughs> His inevitable uh, on-screen appearance. They they never actually explain what he does or like how his powers are related to his name, which I don't think they are. No. So from the the couple pictures I've seen, he seems like is he like an Irish chicken? Is that <laughs> the idea? Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. That that makes the most sense, I think. Yeah. So uh, on episode five, we open up the episode uh, on a movie set. R real quick, before we get before we get too far into there, um, I was listening to the older episodes this week because I wanted to be prepared, and I wanted to let you guys know where Fort Wayne is because that's where I live. 
So, oh. so it's in Indiana. Just, I figured I'd let you guys know. Oh, um, gotcha. Oh, they went real far. There, there is no. Uh, I'm sorry. Tony Cicero. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, there is no Tony Cicero's there. Sadly, uh, the the best. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You live in Indiana. Oh, well, <laughs> born and raised. What do you expect? <laughs> I'm good. You know, how's Pence doing? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say the? I saw the. I said the killing word. You, know, you, you can just. You know, he's um. Anywho, uh, mo- <laughs> moving on. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, we open on a movie set. Uh, there's some concrete uh, buildings destroyed. Some little fires in the background. Queen Maeve is searching through the debris for someone named Ruby, uh, who we find is a blue-haired, tattooed alt chick. Uh, we get a super forced uh, coming out dialogue uh, from Queen Maeve. And the director calls a cut. Um, Maeve walks off the scene to Homelander sitting in like one of those little tents under uh, in a director's chair watching the the monitor of uh, the, the scene being shot and um, just says, girls, get it on. God, this sucks. He's a, <laughs> he's a special kind of asshole, isn't he? He, he really is. Yeah, it was so like, cringy. I, well, I, I, to, to one point, I like that after the last the the end of the last episode i thought he might go on to his whole megalomaniacal i am god now there is no more fun and games but no he's just back to being just being playful real playful playing with his food yeah you know um so i like that element of his character is still there that goofy scary <laughs> he goofy scary is a great way to put it <laughs> And also, look at how Vought uses Maeve's coming out story. They just market the shit out of it. Like, they can't just let anything be personal. It all has to feed back into the, the corporate machine. And they, they do it in a way that not only objectifies her, but does it in the most grade school understanding of sexuality. Like, it's, it's so clearly pandering to a s- straight cishet audience. Yes, yes. It's, it's also one of those things where it's... I say it's one. It's one of those things where they see a marketing up to marketing opportunity to get, you know, th- this group of people that probably wasn't into superheroes because it, you didn't see any of you know lesbians or gays in the seven. And oh, now look, now we can reach this group. This group can be, uh, you know, could maybe one day join the seven and be be super and be awesome. They're gonna. If, but but they don't want to alienate their audience, so they put the super cleaned up version of you know. Yes. I didn't understand myself. Yes. I am a gay. And it's like you know, <laughs> like the fifty and sixty year old mom and dads from like uh, right rural America can be like, I'm woke enough to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying to like be like the the most clean version of like. I, I yeah, anyway no. <laughs> yeah um so and it's super quick too like Maeve uh you know is, is forcibly outed on a talk mm. show and it's like literally days later that they have a new character written into the script and have heavily altered it to include this new uh uh bit of information you can just see Ashley like licking her lips and just being like no no oh, we yeah. can use yep. this <laughs> Ashley um Ashley, Ashley comes in at this point uh, with a video feed of Homelander killing uh, a supervillain uh, and maybe a casualty where he kind of blew through that dude with his laser and took out a random civilian. Whoops. And now the public is protesting him. He's down nine points in the ratings, and that's a very considerable drop. Um, Homelander makes the comment, 
They're all starving, but one of them has a cell phone. I mean, come on. Uh, he says he'll handle it. Ashley tells him Edgar says that uh, he needs to go the no comment route. Homelander bucks the order a little bit. And then Stormfront seems like she's there to kind of rub it in a little. But is trying to convince him that these pussies uh, protesting could be dealt with in another way. You, you know, At the this- comment about like they're all starving, but one of them has a cell phone is like. Homelander's <sighs> not Stormfront racist, but he's still pretty racist. I think that she has kind of clocked the idea pretty early on that this is this is a this is a prime this is probably uh somebody i can induct into my order like he's given right. a lot of these little tidbits he's he's out of touch passive racist not yep. actively racist mm-hmm. yeah it only takes a, a push from there right right he's just step away from fundamentalism <laughs> correct exactly God, we're going to talk so much about that with fucking Deep later. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah for real. Uh, so does Homelander still actually care for Maeve from a ram, uh, for Maeve for, from a romantic perspective? Because as far as Homelander's dickishness goes, this, like Ben said, does seem pretty tame and playful. She's just um, plaything, I think. Because gotcha. th- th- well, I mean, that's that's what we got from the end of the last thing is like, I don't need anyone else. I'm here to fuck with you all. That That's the relationship. I am above you. I do not need you in a like emotional empathic way. You're you're my tool. Yeah, every to him everything is a plaything. Like he just doesn't he doesn't care. You're and Ben, you're right. After last episode and him killing Doppeldonger, he just doesn't he doesn't care. <laughs> you're welcome Canon- for that. Canonical name. <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. Uh, we get a quick scene of Butcher starting a fight at a bar where a metal band's playing, everyone's moshing, and he just kind of like takes a shot and just goes in there and starts swinging. Uh, he then gets his ass kind of beaten pretty badly by just a bunch of dudes circling him up and kicking the shit out of him. Well, it looks bad. Yeah. Until I mean, he also the next scene. He also let them too. Looked, so he's like smiling. His cheek is. Just he's like a smiling bloody. during it. He like doesn't really doesn't really give a shit. And he puts his, as we he know, puts his hands down. You can be blown up by multiple bombs, but the only thing that's going to happen is a little part of your mask is going to come off. So, <laughs> um, we jump over to like a Rite Aid store, uh, pharmacy slash grocery, where Butcher picks up a bag of Vought Fresh Farm peas, so he can compress his swollen face. We also oh, see, even the peas were vaught? I missed that. Yeah, had oh, yeah, they have Homelander's the- image on them. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> uh, we also see uh, Maeve's Eau de Toilette, where the salt of the earth meets the aroma of a queen. Uh, as well no as just thanks. slightly <laughs> off-scene um, Black Noir signature shaving kit from Gentleman by Vaught. Which, okay, <laughs> I don't I missed, even know I how saw, to parse that one. I saw, like, the standee of Starlight for... Some product I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I saw what that it was too. Exactly, it, was, it was like everything is branded with them. Marketing, man. It's all marketing. Yeah, they're, they're just they're super Disney. You know, they just they run the whole world. I do like that they show uh Butcher what does he do the minute he loses Becca? Uh he goes and tries to fight someone. Like the, this is what she was talking about, right? That she he's got some violence in him that she can't fix. Um, and I think that this that's what this episode is like about in a lot of ways with Kimiko and then with Stormfront or Stormfront and Homelander at the end. Um, is it like how do people how do different people cope with their violent impulses? And I think Butcher is really just he gives into them like things get too much and he just he feeds that beast. Yeah. And I almost see it's it seems really childish, too. And like, a, well, you don't love me anymore, so I'm going to go get a fight. I'm just going to do just what you said, because. Because that's who I am, I guess. Um, I don't think that it's like spiteful. I think it's legitimately that's how he copes. Okay. Is he just he needs to fight someone? Needs to fight something? 
It just seemed like that scene, like he's doing that specifically targeting a dude because he knows what the response from everyone around him is going to be versus like, oh, I just need to brawl it out and work it out with someone. It just really, to me at least, made it seem like he was going in there to make sure that everyone would just stomp him. Um, but, maybe. maybe. Maybe he felt like he deserved some of it or needed like a, a fresh a fresh break or something like that. I can it, see it, that. It does get a little bit more textured when you learn about his backstory, which I'll go into in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Butcher gets a call from Huey. Huey's trying to tell him that Stormfront is Liberty. Uh, Butcher acts like super dismissive, like he just doesn't care at he all. He doesn't give point. any shits. Huey says he's not mad that Butcher left him. Like he just does that kind of like, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I know you're upset about this, but you don't have to worry because I'm not mad. Oh, he started saying that and I was like, Butcher's going to lose it on him. But, but then he doesn't. Nope. He's he did, just, yeah, I was very yeah. surprised he didn't. He actually yeah, kind of gives him a, I don't know if a send off is the right word, but just says, you know, he's going to go away for an early, early retirement and he really appreciates Huey being his canary and kind of keeping him on the straight and narrow and stay gives old him, pony boy. <laughs> gives him a real formal goodbye uh, before hanging up and then destroying the SIM card. Uh, so, I mean, I guess my thought here is that he's obviously decided to be on some suicide mission or, or something where he does some form of giving up. Yeah. Yep. He, he no longer has a motivation to continue working with the boys to take down Vought or get back at Homelander. Um, up until this point, it was revenge. And then he found out that Becca was alive and then it was save Becca. And now he no longer has the idea that he needs to avenge her, nor that he can get her back. So he actually has nothing left to kind of drive him. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of why he went uh, or so he thinks, went, you know, fighting because like, what's the what's the point of living I don't think he's on a suicide mission, but I think he was more of a, I'm just going to give up. He said he was going to go to Argentina. Uh, I think he was just going to give up and just probably die in a hole somewhere because he just didn't care. The woman he going to Argentina is the butcher family version of going to a farm yes. where there's going to be a lot of place for him to play yeah, around. Right. In. <laughs> That's how I took it. Um, so back at the Clarkson Ave uh, hideout, M.M. is watching a show on his laptop. <laughs> Huey asks him what he's watching, and M. tells him, uh, you know, it's eat a dick. But as we know, uh, it's not eat my dick. It's actually season one, episode 11 of Outlander, uh, the episode titled The Devil's Mark. Is, is this the same show that he told his wife not to finish because they wanted he wanted to watch it on the same clip as her? It was back in season one. He like asked her, don't, don't, no, don't get ahead of me because we want to watch it together. I'll just, we'll binge yeah, it together. I thought this was going to be our thing. I don't Sounds remember like what it, it was, but every, every time MM is a cute domestic father, <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, this really, it, I love it. He's just so cute. Um, apparently it's just MM and Huey here. No one has seen Frenchie or Kimiko in, in a little while. Huey says it's weird that Butcher was nice to him on the phone and MM gets really serious and kind of right up in his face. He's like, tell me every word he said. Yeah, that's um, abnormal behavior yeah. For, yeah. for for Butcher. So apparently M.M. also thinks this is like not not stellar when he says, you know, tell me every word he said. I assumed that there was some type of code in what Butcher had said. Maybe it was Argentina, like Ben said, that was, the, you know, a big farm upstate that he was going to or, <laughs> you know, with some. um I don't know. You never know with Butcher, I guess, is kind of kind of I the think it's just like he's acting nice. That's out of character. Something big must have happened. I don't know how much of it is like we need to keep the team together. If he's off his game, that's going to be bad for us versus I actually care about this human being. 
I haven't gotten the sense that MM really cared about Butcher as a person so much as something that he could use to help him get his family back. But maybe there's some of it. They had that, that kind of nice, you know, shake each other's hands thing at the last episode. Yeah. Uh, we got a quick scene of Kimiko. Looks like she's got like a matchbook or something that she's trying to find in a dress. Uh, Frenchie's tailing her. Um, and we cut right away to another scene from the Donna 7 movie uh, where Stormfront asks Starlight why she's been eye-fucking her all day. Apparently Starlight is having trouble keeping her cool now that she knows Stormfront is uh, Liberty. Or that at least that that's the assumption. Can, can I just say, yeah. like, uh, don't get me wrong, like the whole, the, the three females of the group joining together, being in power, that's awesome. I hated that scene. I hated that scene in Endgame. Oh yeah. Like, when when Marvel did it in Endgame, the only reason I hated that scene was because it made no goddamn sense. My biggest point being Wasp was where they needed to go. She came across the battlefield to jump into the scene with the women to then go back to where she was. This is a similar situation where, yeah, I get it. It's supposed to be empowering. Great. I love that. Why? You don't need it. Because Vought doesn't. No, Vought doesn't know. Subtlety. No, I know. Well, I get that. You know, they they are the, they are the Marvel. Like they they don't know how to sell female empowerment no. other than by screaming yeah, it. Yes, so, so it that's that's what they so do. So annoying, though. <laughs> so annoying. Uh, we got a quick scene from a kitchen TV of like a Hollywood entertainment style show talking about the deep getting married. We pan away to two older ladies talking about saltwater taffy, and when there's a knock at the door. And that's salt. I think as we found out later uh, that uh, I'm really glad that you brought up the flavor because it didn't connect for me before, but now it has. Um, and it's Butcher. Butcher's at the door, and apparently this is his aunt's house. They have a brief aside about Butcher's dad being riddled with cancer and how they're flying to the States because they're worried about him. And this kind of struck me as a little odd at first because isn't Butcher's face plastered all over TV and America's Most Wanted as being this hardened criminal that literally blew up the executive from from Vought? Mm-hmm. I gotta imagine. Like, I gotta imagine that there's so. like some sort of standing armistice between Vought and Butcher, or Vought and like the government of like, don't make a fucking scene because like, let's just take this down on the slide. Which makes sense because later Black Noir shows up to kind of do it for him. He's kind of their wet works guy to get it done quietly. I think they don't want to make it like. Butcher's got the butcher and the boys have a bunch of shit on them, like you know, yeah, the and and other stuff, like how long it's been going on. The fact that they manufactured it, they it's not that they were ignorant of it, like they they manufactured it and and purposefully. So he he's got some shit on them. Maybe they're trying not to uh, not to instigate anything that they can't finish quietly. That's my that's, that's my best guess. <laughs> it's yeah. a little thin. Uh, so Butcher says that the cancer, you know, couldn't kill him fast enough and keeps asking where his boy is. Um, it, it's presented in a way where initially I was like, oh, shit, here's another kid. Um, and it turns out it's his dog, Terror. Um, who we know I have from- so much to say. Terror. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two points. First, Billy's family in a nutshell. His dad is a total monster. He beat his he beat Billy's mom while they were growing up, caved in her eye socket. She had to get a glass eye. It was fucking crazy. And she couldn't leave him because she was still like she domestic abuse victim. You know, um, eventually, uh, butcher uh, Billy met Becca. Becca convinced 
uh, Billy's mom to leave him. And that's how they got kind of out of out of the picture. But um, he was a real piece of shit. And all of Billy's violent tendencies, we could really see coming from his father. The the other thing is fucking terror. Um, Billy's a bit grim in the comics. Would you agree with that other person who has read the comics? Yes. And uh, one of the only good like bits of genuine warmth we see from him is when he's interacting with terror. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a good wee dug, as as they say in the comics, <laughs> which is very cute and good. And I just lost it when I saw but uh, when he when I saw terror. Oh, he's just oh my it god, was, so cute. It was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I was really it, happy that the episode that you know, uh, Tim, you asked me on was the one with terror. Like this was awesome. I love it. It's so terror is great. Tara's a great character. And they reference that, do you have a dog? Yeah, and they reference back in season one, hey, do you have a dog? And he's like, no. Um, but they clearly did. I think they, at the time, didn't maybe intend to have terror in there. But like it just kind of naturally developed that, oh, we can put terror yeah. in this thing. Um, and in the comics, Butcher is fucking smitten with this beast because he doesn't have anyone else. He doesn't have Becca. Mm-hmm. You know, he barely trusts the team that he's a leader of. Um, and so, like, at one point, Terror pisses on Homelander's yeah. leg, which is great, <laughs> and basically says, "If you touch my dog, I'm we're we're throwing down right there, now. Fuck there, all there of this. Is, we're we're getting into it now." There is a point after that. Uh, some of the parts I've read when Homelander is talking to uh, the handler and talking about going after the boys, and he's like, "Just just don't lay a finger on the dog, like that just is don't touch his yeah, dog. Yeah, do not touch the dog. <laughs> he knows that. Homelander knows that." So, yeah. So you haven't finished it. Uh, the, uh, I, I, can, I got I can, up to Herogasm. I finished Herogasm, and that's that's where I left off at. Whew. That was messed right. up. I'm, I'm concerned on whether or not I should spoil I, shit for you. No, you're, no, 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 like no. Spoil away. I've already been spoiled by other friends, so oh, okay. you're good. I know um, okay. a couple things that are coming up, so. As soon as we saw the dog on screen, I was I was on edge for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Something cute that could die. die. Yeah, Just dogs in you know movies, TV shows, like they're only there to show how awful somebody is because they killed the dog. And I was like, "But he's so cute! <laughs> Please don't kill." Um, so Butcher takes Terror out for a walk. He kind of connects a little bit with his aunt. It kind of seems like he's going to settle down here. Um, he makes the comment, "Ah, Metamucil and ringing out dicks for a few drops of piss. Is this really, this really what the rest of my life is going to be?" Um, do we think? He's actually going to slow down and and live here. Is that his intent, or is this? Uh, I wasn't thinking he was going to live here. I was know, thinking he was he was going to take terror and go somewhere else. But that was just my thought. That's what I was thinking too. Gotcha. He's he's so clearly H- in an introspection moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's hard to tell. He, there's something else that's going to happen with him. He's not just going to disappear off the off the face of the plot like A Train seems to be doing. Like, there's got to be something. Speaking of. A-Train and uh, the director, Adam Bork, are talking about movie revisions, specifically about A-Train's farewell speech. He wants to leave, A-Train wants to leave the movie a little bit more open-ended, so it kind of feels like he's not being forced into retirement. Stage one, denial. Right. (laughs) Uh, Bork gives him literally no corner. He's just like, well, listen, that's above my pay grade. You'll have to talk to Ashley. Uh, We jump. I love that he uses that exact line. Like, well... This is about my pay grade. Like, this is what we're doing. You can talk to people yep. higher up. Also, like, he has no gravitas anymore. People just t- t- just just dismiss him out of hand, like, yeah. really easily. Like, he, he is persona non grata in the seven at this point. 
like you're you're being given this role in this farewell speech uh, as a gift. A this is what, like, this we what don't need get. to keep we, you we around. Didn't have to do it. Yeah. yeah. We jump over to uh, live with Katie Couric interviewing the deep and his new wife, Cassandra. Um, and he sh- she brings up the deep's troubled past. They kind of gloss over it about, you know, people change. He's gotten better. And, you know. He obviously loves her because he makes a French toast every morning for breakfast. You know, cue fake hey, French laugh. toast is great. Both scenes with the deep so far. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Both scenes with the deep so far uh, this episode have been like talk show junkets and then being panned away from. Um, seems like we're getting just bits of framing similar like we did last episode uh, with uh, the people that he was interviewing to be his wife for some payoff later. Um, or it's just similar to the A-Train bits where he's in the club and stuff where it's almost like a screensaver to keep him fresh in our mind for something coming later on. I think that's exactly it, because he's been out of focus. Yeah. The camera pans away as Katie Cork brings up the collective. I, I do wonder how much of him shilling for the collective is intentional and how much he's kind of being like how much he's playing them as like a kind of, okay, here's the agreement. I I play ball and you get me back in the seven versus if he's drinking the Kool-Aid, like he, he kind of looks like a simp at this point. He kind of, he kind of looks like he's a little brainwashed from the whole thing. I don't think he's smart enough to have been brainwashed. I think he's just kind of along for the ride because he's used to being told what to do. Yeah. I don't think he's. Really I don't think he's smart enough to play a, to to fake yeah, it. I think, I think he's actually. <laughs> right. He's he drank the Kool Aid. He was literally at the bottom of the barrel. He got shipped off to. I mean, when we saw him at the beginning of the season, he was drunk at the bar. Like then he got arrested, and uh, what was it? Um, the uh, Eagle the Archer bailed him out. It's like you've never been to the Mariana. Yeah, Trench. exactly. Like he he is at that point in his life where he is rock bottom. This is helping him, helping bring him up. This is a community, a community that actually loves him as is supporting him. I think he's all in. I think he's, he is literally brainwashed by the collective. He's, he's joined the Scientology. Like it's, it's makes the most sense anyway. That's how it reads to me yeah. too. I, I could see it either way, <laughs> it can, but I but think but I like the idea of him being brainwashed yeah. better. I do like so, seeing him like at least presenting as happy though. Cause we've just seen him, feeling like shit. Nah, he, yeah. he just he has Starlight. looked depressed for four episodes and i was getting tired of it <laughs> fair, fair, fair. uh we shoot over to two russian dudes victor and vladislav uh they're talking about how bullshit hamilton is because hamilton was a white guy and they tried to make it into an american immigrant story Why do they keep talking Actually, about I hamilton really like this aside uh, Tamiko walks in on their conversation and they kind of give the really standard like, oh, what are you doing here? What do you need a kitten? Oh, how about I give her my dick? Ha ha ha. And then Kamiko kicks his knee out and peels his fucking face off of his skull. Dude, um, I was oh, I was like, oh, what is happening? I was at work when this I watched this scene and he did that and I'm I'm in the middle of work. I'm like, oh, my God, what the? F-? OK, <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. And you you, you probably recognize you probably recognize the dialogue from the oh, comic yeah. books because it's it's almost one to one. It's like show her some pictures of fucking kittens. Kittens, that's what young women like. No, why don't I show her my dick? It's same yeah, this thing. Is literally the uh the first um, time we, we see uh the female or Kimiko in the book in the comic, this is her scene. So I'm kind of thinking that that oh, I mean it was in a yeah, it was at a house. It wasn't at a, a bar. But yeah. I'm kind of thinking 
But they don't show any no, of it. No, they don't. Because it it's all off screen, which is great. They, they just they show a blank house screaming. And then because it's her signature move, a face hitting the yeah. window. And <laughs> you, just, you just see a disembodied <laughs> face. on that, That's her Splat thing. Like that's baloney. her McGruber uh, neck slice and uh, neck scooping like, thing. P- part, of me, part of me thinks that be, because of the way that they uh, introduced her in the first season, they wanted to get her to where she is in the comic. Uh, and obviously this is it uh i mean it works i love it but i i also kind of feel like maybe they should have done that from the get-go and not do the whole human trafficking thing that that's a good point i think that the 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 well so the place that she is in the comics she's much more underdeveloped yes right because you know sexism and well, such but um Garth Ennis. you know uh, I, I think that the idea is that we did need to establish why she has all these violent tendencies to begin with if we're going to play them as some sort of character development and if Frenchie can somehow try to coax her out of that and to just start her as just violence elemental, just a just an assassin. Um, that doesn't that doesn't really give us a lot of insight into why she's doing it in the first place. Fair. I, I do uh, like the direction that they took but with that, this. But you're, you've got you you got a good point there, Ben. And plus, in you know, in the comic, they explain her origin later versus you know in the show they explained it and now we're to like that barely. point well they explain it <laughs> she was just a baby that drank some goo well <laughs> it's not very that's... it's not really an origin story <laughs> well it's also frenchy explaining it instead of uh, her but so. yeah that's an unreliable narrator <laughs> happy d2e so, <laughs> so she ray mysterio jr is the second guy just flips all around him snaps his neck and then i somehow gets a gun into the eye socket of the third one uh she continues kind of, she to the back of the hideout. right yeah she's not she's no, no. slouch that's, that's, for, that's for damn sure yeah uh frenchy comes in a little a few minutes afterwards and just sees this this uh, cavalcade of horror that she has set before him. And uh, we move over to Butcher. But but um, he reacts in a way that isn't like, he doesn't react like, oh my God, what has happened here? He's just like, ah, damn it. <laughs> like he, yeah. he sort of expected it. <laughs> or like he's oh, seen it all before. Oh, Ripping shucks. people's faces off. Ah, you. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez, Joel. Back, back over in the burbs, Butcher walks back in from his walk with terror, and his aunt is sitting there in the living room with Huey and M.M. Uh, they've tracked him down because uh, apparently Huey heard a dog toy in the background uh, when he was on the phone with Butcher, and M.M. knew exactly where he was uh, because he knew that he keeps terror at his aunt's house. Um, they ask where Becca is, and Judy is just like, completely blown away by this information that, that Becca's still alive and they don't really actually pay any attention to it whatsoever. <laughs> um, Huey is sitting there on this, this couch with a stuffed pig. And as uh, butcher kind of takes off, uh, she tells Huey that that stuffed pig is, uh, you know, it's Tara's girlfriend. And he's like, what? Uh, it's his fuck pig. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> Huey from the book, like just nonchalant. What, what, huh? Just doesn't, Totally oblivious. How did I stumble to into this awkward situation. Yeah. I don't know how I got here, and I don't know yep. how to get out. Butcher goes to leave, and as he's getting in the car, he sees Black Noir on a roof across the street just in his rearview mirror, just like such a good ninja. He just you know on the roof in the middle of the day, <laughs> in a black right. out in the open. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, like what? <laughs> he, he must have want like I. 
That, that really bothered me because it later Butcher refers to him as a ninja. And it's like, well, he's not much of a ninja if you saw him immediately. Right. And it's like, I know Butcher is obviously like on edge and, and aware of things going on around him. But it was just like, I feel like Black Noir must have wanted him to see him. Otherwise, like, why was he just hanging out on top of this roof and not just going in the building? <laughs> Which I could see Black Noir actually wanting him to to know that he's there so that he instigates something. You know what I mean? So from an optus perspective. I feel like like a Moon Knight moment. Like, I want them to see me because in their terror, they'll shoot at me and miss anyway kind of thing. Like, Mm. I want him to see me because then he's going to be scared and then he'll make mistakes and then I can kill him. Maybe. Um, There's also like the possibility that like Black Noir has the mind of a child, which is the theory that I'm going with, um, (laughs) given his, you know, his his interactions with children so far. Um, He may he may not understand that the ninja thing doesn't work unless it's at night. (laughs) (laughs) And actually hiding. Um, His ninja skills, just like his taste buds, are still developing, which is why he doesn't like almond joys. That's right. Um, Hey, no, we don't need to rehash yeah, no, this. That's why I stopped, I I stopped, the it, argument. I stopped it. <laughs> yeah, if you just don't, um, don't you know, take the lead, Tim eventually gives up. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> so, segway, segway, uh, segway. Butcher goes back in the house. Uh, he lets them know that fucking Black Noir's right outside. He starts shutting curtains, locking doors, all that stuff. Uh, Huey assumes Becca um, had escaped with him, and that's why Black Noir is after him. Uh, it's not the case. M.M. says if Noir is there to kill them, he's going to have to do it with an audience. Um, and we cut to a fire truck rolling up, uh, yelling over the PA, spe- uh, PA system on the truck that, you know, there's been a gas leak and everyone needs to get out of their homes and don't worry, they're on it, uh, which is fun, just fucking brilliant. Um, M.M. asked Judy for an aerosol can and pressure cooker and whatever she might have around the house. Yeah, M.M. is great. Uh, I love him more every time I see him. From the comics, he actually, even though he's a gigantic Shaft-esque black man, like kind of Nick Fury sort of archetype of just like, don't fuck with this black man, Barrett from Final Fantasy VII kind of thing. <laughs> um, he's actually not the muscle of the group. You know, that that is actually Frenchie and mm-hmm. Kimiko, the female in the comics. Yeah, He is an investigator. He's he's like a very meticulous, like, I'm going to look at all the information. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to stake the place out. He's the one who, like, actually connects all the dots. He's like the the logistics guy as well. So I love this characterization of he knows how to buy them time. Yeah. Um, I just love he just went right into it, too, like Captain America style, just like, boom, we're going to do this. Do you have these, this, this, that, and this thing? I need this yep. big and... We have this plan. Let me make He's a call. He's done it before. And it was yeah. like, yeah. holy shit. He just, he it was like, what is it? The wolf, they call him in uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, I don't remember. Been too just, long. When, they, when you have a problem, you call the wolf and he fixes everything. The, um, um and if you, if you need someone to solve the wolf, you call John Wick. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Close enough. I haven't seen it in a while. Sure. <laughs> but but they, they didn't they say M.M. was like in the military or something at some point or he's got dog tags or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly, but like he's got a checkered past of some sort. It was either military or police. Right? I can't remember um, which. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, in, in the comics, it's a military. Yes. But I think the idea is that like maybe he knows how to give orders under pressure. Question mark. Yeah. Um, he seems they, to. They also do mention in this scene, though, I think that um they mentioned Lenny, right? No, that's that's later. I think maybe it's initially. No, that's when yeah, they're in the basement. 
Is that yeah. later? Gotcha. No, no, oh. no they say he's yes, a spitting that's image when of he, That's when he sure yeah, pops right in. Yeah, right when Butcher gets there. Yeah. Then we, they actually explain Lenny later on. Yeah, yeah. They, they, and they talk about it. They do explain Lenny mm-hmm. later on, but just to give a little context from yeah. the uh, comics, um, Lenny is Butcher's brother, which they do explain later on. But uh, he's sort of the first string of, I guess this really fits better later. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they do mention it here. Yes. Um, and it does get brought up later, but I had missed this initially. So at a later point when. Um, yeah, we'll get back into it in a minute. Yeah. So jumping back over to the, the Dawn of Seven set at the craft services tent, uh, Starlight sees her mom just hanging out in the uh, in the, you know, fucking eating lunch or whatever off the buffet with Stormfront. Uh, Starlight tells her mom, hey, this isn't a great time. And her mom says she misses her, you know. They need to hash this out. They need to talk. You know, they need to have a relationship. Remember Storm when you inju- injected me with experimental drugs when I was a baby? <laughs> and how, like, that was the last conversation we had? And how I'm not, I'm like, not still, I'm not over it yet? Stormfront <laughs> comes in and just kind of initiates the discussion between Starlight and her mom. Uh, Donna, who was Starlight's mom, continues to apologize about Compound being her daughter but lots of parents did it at the time. You yeah. know, it was like it was like drinking or smoking in the seventies. We just no, didn't that, know. God, that's everyone such a, was doing it. That's such a realistic like mom move to do, though. Like I'm apologizing, but I'm also kind of gonna scapegoat a little. Like it's not entirely my fault. Like this is just this yeah. is the style at the time. It's it's so textured. That's a good mom. Good yeah, mom character. Yeah, not say, a good mom. Good mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Stormfront follows up with this like. Just imagine how angry someone would have to be to expose the truth about Compound V while looking directly at Starlight. Those looks. And just as like whoever Oof. that person was before taking her leave. She says how grateful she would be to have a mom like Dara, uh, like Donna. And then Starlight uh, just takes off, kind of leaves Donna there. She's like, do you need a ride or something? Can someone give you a lift or, or whatever? Because we're done here. And she goes. Yeah, her... Like Stormfront's clit swings real hard. Uh, was anybody else surprised that nobody uh, checked Donna's credentials on before she walked on a probably closed set and just got into the uh, buffet line? Just oh yeah, I'm I'm Starlight's mom. Oh, okay, come on in. <laughs> like okay. I imagine <laughs> that they've got some sort of standing agreement with the parents that they let dose their children. Oh, I'm sure they do. I just it's fun, right? She probably she probably heads over there every, you know, first and 14th of the month to get her fucking vodka injector baby. Breakfast, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, we, getting uh, a superhero child was great, but what I really love is the perks. That, all that free food. 10% off all the folk in yeah. motels. Um, so Stormfront knows about Starlight exposing Compound V at this point, uh, or at least it's heavily assumed. Did A-Train tell her? Yeah, wow. Did she find out by herself? Was our conversation a couple episodes ago right? Was Stormfront really the plant from Vaught trying to out Starlight as the traitor? I'm thinking she's... I forgot that that was a conspiracy theory I gave. <laughs> I think she is a... Can't even track your own conspiracy theories anymore? Uh, I think she is a plant. I don't know if it was to out Starlight in particular, but but definitely like there to maybe... We'll see later, but I think she's there to kind of fuck with the whole team like you you guys had said that she was yeah. put there by Vaught For and sure. I think considering what happens later I think she was but 
she is not doing what Vought wanted her to do. Uh, she's got a, she's got a double agenda, like a secret agenda behind role, it. But she's not on the leash. Yeah. So that 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 actually plays pretty good. I think I, she does seem like she's intended to make yes. waves of some sort. I don't know if it's specifically to get Starlight on the Compound V thing, but um, I think I, I I think that she. If she was inducted in instituted there by Vought as like a kind of somebody to make things happen, I do think that she is also playing a secret game of you know Nazism yeah. and, and such. Yeah. Yep. I, mm-hmm. I doubt Vought would for I mean, I wouldn't put anything past Vought, but it doesn't it's not marketable. Nazism generally is less marketable. <laughs> maybe than they, Vought tends maybe to Maybe they run. don't know about the Nazism just yet. Maybe it's that she is she's uh uh enacting anarchy, which their black CEO doesn't know about the Nazism I mean, yet? it's quite possible. Probably not. But the fact that she's there and you see her <laughs> inciting, not really riots, but she's like having protests on Vought property about Vought. Like, why else would a Vought, the uh, Edgar, put her on the team if not to basically stir the pot? You know, like... I'm really interested to why Vought yes. put her specifically yes. on. I don't yeah. yet know what it is. The Starlight thing makes sense, but like I could easily see any number number of other reasons mm-hmm. happening. For sure. We get a, a another really painful tone deaf scene here Ugh. with uh, Seth and Evan <sighs> talking to Maeve and Elena about how they're going to rebrand them as uh as gay. They're Elena so excitable, them. right? Yeah. Oh, Elena corrects them pretty much right off the bat too and is like, uh, but Maeve's bye. But the VART marketing team thinks that bi is too confusing for the regular audience. So she's just a lesbian now. That's, that's, a, that's a real thing. Bi invisibility is a, is a very real thing. Both straight yep. people and gay people tend to dis, disregard the notion that bi is real to, to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Because like it, it just makes things confusing. So I kind of yeah. like that bit of like real world storytelling in there. For real. Uh, Maeve is going to do it. Um, uh, they're... Ashley's talking about how Maeve's going to do a It Gets Better PSA, a guest spot on Queer Eye, uh, and then goes into how they're going to rebrand Elena into a more media-friendly pantsuit lesbian to establish her as the male of the couple, as America is more tolerant of the gays when they have a clear uh, traditional gender role. Just just all of it just reeks of Vought's basic bare-bones understanding of what gay means. Like, Queer Eye? When has that been a thing for, you know, a decade and a half? Well, like, it, it has come back recently. It's back yeah. on the air. It's on Netflix uh, or Hulu or something totally like right. that. totally right. No, it's, this yeah. scene is perfectly fine. Everything about it makes sense and it's cool. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> um, Elena says she's not down for this. Ashley says, well, don't worry. You're going to be compensated. It's fine. Uh, and Elena takes off. Maeve goes after her and kind of doubles down on the Homelander bit. Like, listen, we have to play this game. It's Homelander fucking with us. This is the only way that we can be safe is if we're constantly in the eye of the media and Vought because he's not going to fuck with the money. Um, she says, that, though, that she wants to take him down. That, that that's, that's their way out of this is to take Homelander out of the picture. Um, yeah, I... Uh- uh, so with the first explanation we got for why Maeve kept the gay thing a secret from Vought was because we don't want Homelander to find out. I think that this whole entire scene kind of encapsulate a secondary reason of just like 
Vought is a just a, a a heartless company that is going to exploit us if we tell them about us. And like I I think that that is a very real concern that I sort of had back then, but now is very clearly very clearly is is a is a problem mm-hmm. with Vought. Yeah. So at this point, we're kind of rallying a lot of the members of the Seven against either Homelander or Vought. Uh, a Train's just about there. Maeve as well. Starlight has been over there for a while. The Deep, uh, I mean, could go either way. Uh, Who really. knows with the Deep? I mean, I don't think the Deep knows he's where a, he's, he's going. He's in deep denial. He's off on his own fucking journey. Um, Stormfront, as we discussed, uh, could also go either mm. way, but I think we're seeing more Vought, most likely uh, on the side of Vought. Uh, whether it's for what she wants Vought to be or the current establishment of Vought, she, she's certainly somewhere uh, in that corner. Are we building towards a the Seven Civil War? <laughs> I, I We might be. I think that it's also a possibility. Like, the, the Seven is never the, you know, family that they portray themselves on as on camera. They're always sort of doing the frenemies, like everyone has blackmail against somebody else. Everybody, you know, is shitty to everybody else in in certain ways. That's been true from the start. Um, no. So uh, maybe they're just like, maybe they're just uh, trying to play, like maybe A-Train, for example, is just trying to like play his dissatisfaction to get more concessions out of Aught. Like, no, you you know, tr- try to hold, try to hold his dissatisfaction over them. Try, try to hold know, out he's... until he gets the better contract kind of thing. Yeah. Which isn't working. Maybe Something. Stormfront's yeah. like brinksmanship kind yeah. of shit. Maybe Stormfront's whole deal is to kind of clean house because there's so much drama and shit between all these people. If yeah. she keeps Homelander intact and can kind of just weed everyone else out, they can bring in a new team that you know hasn't been sexually assaulting people for years and uh, all of this other kind of heinous shit, and start with a clean slate. As long as you know, uh, our Lord and Savior Homelander's still there. Um, yeah. We shoot back over to Judy's house. Uh, Noir's still <laughs> on top of the roof across the, across the way. He's very patient. Boys are inside making crockpot bombs. Uh, Butcher is just vibing with terror on the couch. <laughs> like Butcher says it's not right that Noir is there to kill him, um, and he's going to go outside and give the others a chance to escape. Huey calls him out for his blaze of glory bullshit um, and says that he thought, he thought the same way uh, when Robin died, but at least Beck is still alive. She just doesn't want him. And there's like an immediate switch in Butcher. That fucking hisses him right off. Uh, and it seems like he kind of gets right back in his element. Um, he tries to leave anyway, but MM gets in the way and kind of does the well. You could you can get through Huey. Like, let's not <laughs> let's not joke, but uh, <laughs> you're gonna also have to go through me. Um, did this piss off Butcher because Becca most likely does in fact still love him, or was his shit talking about Huey? Uh, being scared of being alone, just fucking spot on. Oh, both. Like, clear, clearly Huey is latching on to whatever moves just in an effort to stay afloat. He is very clearly like the, you know, like clinging at Driftwood. He's been shunted out of his normal life. Everything that he cares about is gone. And he's he's willing to accept whatever kind of relationships and, and friendships and causes are around to try to put his life back together. And that's Butcher right now. But also, but also, you know, he is sincerely pissed off that uh, Huey is right about Becca. You know, like, buddy, like, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're better than this. You're, you're better. You're wallowing. You're wallowing like a Huey. 
Um, and you know, I, I think that that does get under his skin because he's kind of crafted this uh, this this image of being a tough badass, and he's he's being kind of emo. Yeah. yeah. Um, we go back over, or not back over, but uh, we see Kamiko go into a church and sits next to Sherry, which is really odd. Uh, who hands her an envelope? Sherry uh, has apparently been working as a hub for the Albanians and having Kamiko doing hits. Frencho come, uh, friend, yeah, Frencho. Frencho, Frencho, a Frencho. That's the his, That's his Mexican half brother. <laughs> <laughs> Frenchy uh, comes in and tries to reason with her, telling her that this life is poison for her soul. Um, and she just pushes him down and signs that I got my own baby brother killed. He was the only fucking thing that mattered to me. And Frenchie needs to fucking leave her alone and stop trying to help her. At this point, Frenchie gets up. He says, fucking, I'm done. I- I'm trying to help you. You won't teach me how to communicate with you. I can't fucking understand what you're saying. And he takes off. Um, and before he goes, he just kind of tells her, fucking have fun being the monster that you want to be. And ducks out that kind of uh this? that kind of annoyed me when he's like you won't teach me what what how to speak to you why don't you teach me like dude yeah you're trying to teach her how to talk and write because you want to talk to her and she's doing the best she can of course she's not going to teach you the language that she knows one it's like he said in the, in the episode with her brother it's whatever sign language it is it's nothing he knows i mean it's something that they made up but which is interesting all in its own. Right. But like, come on, dude. Like they had years in like yes. captivity. What was that? The movie Nell where they make their own language in the cabinet. And it's like uh, it's something that like she like her probably is like sacred. Exactly. To her. Like this is the, the last thing that she and her brother share and to share it with somebody else kind of probably like is the means that she she's leaving him behind or something. So, yeah, like it's just yeah. the whole point of him demanding her to teach him how to speak to her it's like no no no. she does not have to do that you idiot yes you care for her yes you want to to help her any way you can but at the end of the day she is her own woman and she wants to do what she wants to do and if she wants to go kill you know rip people's russians faces off let her go rip russians faces off you know it's just it's fine (laughs) let her play her play with russian faces let her grieve if she if she has find a way to monetize her grief just let her go it's a healing process (laughs) we all do it's it's not hurting anybody right i i I mean like at the same time though like you cannot fault frenchie for being frustrated no no not at all. Like I get no. it. He again. He cares for her, and he he wants good things for her. But I, it just it just bugged me that he's demanding her teach him. Yeah, her ways. It's like no. I can see it. That bugged. That's the only thing that bugged me. Did Frenchie ever? Did Frenchie ever give up on on her in the comics? Nope. 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 Patient as a priest. Uh, he just. You know, it's actually very cute when when she like goes to accept a new contract with the mob at one point, he's like, you could go there or I have this bag of delicious British candy that I bought from a place that Butcher recommended chocolate limes. Which one of these is better? Uh, and, you know, it tries to like kind of coax her away from, you know, from from murdering if people. A, if it was a Genius. Charleston Chew, she might have gone for it. <laughs> but but that is a, that is a thing in the comics like she frenchie does recognize that this violence is probably bad for her like to to sate her violent urges back to the thing i was talking about this is all how how do people deal with their violent urges this is just uh 
she she's she's circling a drain that there's no way out of. Um, so in the comics, yeah, she, she tries, he tries not, he tries to pull her back from that and it sometimes fails and there's sometimes progress. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a long process. Um, but he never gets fed up and storms out. No, he's always very, very patient. Um, I'm surprised he didn't say anything to Sherry. I, I hate that Sherry is used. She, she's using the thing that he said in confidence from their, you know, naked rendezvous the other the other day um, to get back to get at Kimiko. It's like, you know, she's got so much violence and sadness in her. I want to help her. Sherry seemed to be, you know, kind of helping him out with that. Um, but then just goes around and like uses Kimiko behind his back. Like, I, I thought that that was just a kind of a betrayal of, you know, using. Yeah. He, she knows that Frenchie really wants to help Kimiko. I, I don't think that it's a very friend worthy thing to do naked or otherwise to like go and get Kimiko to like take on hits to like to exactly what Frenchie was saying not to do. Well, and especially after we talked so much last time about how healthy and great and wonderful their relationship was to I, be able to do that. And then she goes and fucking that's does what this. Like, do you, do you think she did it purposely to maybe get Frenchie back? Like he, she saw uh, his attraction and, how much he wanted to help Kim, uh, Kimiko. Do you think she was basically jealous of, of all that? No, I don't think their relationship ever worked okay. on jealousy. I think that she just, uh, the, that is the, that is kind of how she, um, how she makes her, that's her okay. career as such. And just like, I don't like the way that it plays. Like, I don't think that she would do it. I mean, we haven't seen much of her. So I guess it makes sense. It's just, man, I was really rooting for her to be kind of a, a safe space yeah. for Frenchie yeah. to have. I could see it being either of those. I could, I could see it being either of those. But at the end of the day, I, I, the way I saw it, it seemed just more of a she's an opportunist, and that. that I is mean, she does get ten percent, so, so. Or at least that's what I hope. I really hope it's not the petty thing because yeah, I, yeah I, I don't love it. Um, also, I I will say that this this scene where he uh, blows up at Kimiko is like you won't teach me. I can't help you if you don't teach me, and then storms off. It did come out a little bit friend zoney to me. Like, yeah. you know, like, uh, I, you know, you, I, I am trying to have this relationship with you. You are not acceding to my demands. Yeah. And now I'm mad because I told myself a truth that was not true, even though you did mm. not sign on for it. It just, I don't know. It felt like a friend zone thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we cut over to another fucking cringy deep scene where he's walking through the are hall. Are there any the not? Not this season. Uh, just. <laughs> you know, we get we get the two best ways to stop both bullying and sexual assault. And it's, um, you know, <laughs> hey, bro, it's not cool. Like, really, dude? Like, what the uh, fuck? It's so like, great. It's all you need. It's not cool. Um, it's just painful. <laughs> uh, he's walking through the halls. He stops uh, this dude from assaulting this chick somehow in the church or whatever, which is, you know, awesome that that happens there. And then stops a, a kid from bullying another kid. Uh, before kind of going center stage at the Church of the Collective and shaking the hand of uh, Alistair Adana. Uh, <laughs> That's a cult leader is, name. Is also the showrunner of The Boys. Uh, before panning away to A-Train <laughs> watching this stupid fucking commercial. Is it the showrunner the of The Boys? Yeah, the, the, the guy of The Collective is like, he's the head honcho of, uh, of the show. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I love um, it when they do stuff like that. Yeah, so... Quick side note, at the end of that collective commercial, it, it shows a website of churchofthecollective.com. And I went there really hoping for like a super shtick filled website or like a fake church thing. And 
No, it's just like Sony's. That's uh, been perfect, oh, especially oh, for like, like 2020. Like that's perfect website for right now. Right. Yeah, uh, for just this day and age. Now, back in like 2001, when internet was still kind of budding, that would have been like, oh, uh, yeah, this might take you somewhere, or might take you to a uh, a 404 page. We we don't know. Right. It just it I just, just it just puts you at meat spin. I think I don't remember. <laughs> I clicked on a lot of those. I don't know to meet Spin. Weird. <laughs> it's like one in four. Um, um, I, so I like the, uh, the the framing of like I want to talk for a second about like the framing of hey bro not cool being the only thing that you need to do to stop sexual assault because I mean, it works right. In it's addition so to it, it uh, yeah I mean like the the, the evidence yeah, is he right walked there. Away and she he didn't start touching her again. I, we don't know as far as we see as, as long as exactly. the camera's on them um <laughs> i think it's telling of the church of the collective because think about like the nature of a cult um the people that they want are like impressionable young disaffected probably men for the most part like that's that's kind of a clear these are the people who we can target is lonely people is uh people whom hate so they're 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 a lot in life people who are angry incels you know like that, that yeah. kind of uh that kind of general vibe it's why a lot of uh, neo-nazis go after young men in like their 17s because there's like a lot of anger and stuff um i think that they're the church doesn't want to scare off potential new recruits by being too harsh to the would-be rapist that's actually a really good point a lot of uh cults normally sprout up in college towns where they can yeah. prey specifically on that archetype yeah um I think they're trying to like it's a tactic to try to get at these man children being like, hey, bro, not cool. But also we're not going to we're not going to write you off. We're just going to wag the finger. That's good enough. Right. right? Just, just for now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So as we pan out, a train's watching this commercial calls it bullshit and enter Stormfront uh, saying that, you know, she actually used to be a member of the collective uh, before they started letting in just anybody. Um, a train kind of was like. Well, who's anybody? And thinly veiled is probably too powerful. It's way too generous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. Um, but she's just like, well, you know, everybody else. The people, other people of quality versus people Undesirables. of garbage. Tim, how are we to unravel this subtext? <laughs> As she's staring <laughs> at him, giving him the eyes. <laughs> Undesirables. Um, oh, she's so good at that, too. You know, garbage people. Um, Ashley interrupts the conversation and says uh, he has to do the part so he can keep his pension and his status uh, or they're just going to fuck him. And this is not, I feel it's it's really telling in any interaction that we've seen with Ashley where she is normally uh, the bitch of the situation. She's just being dismissed and pushed aside and spoken down to. And when that role is reversed, here where a train is the one that's kind of just being like no listen you fucking do it or get the fuck out we don't we don't need you and we don't care it sucks so uh, so A-Train ashley has definitely stepped mm. up her bitch game uh probably because she has to deal with homelander directly now versus <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the shit flows yeah, down well she even said like yeah. you know when the, when i was fired i went to i can't remember exactly where she went to and she she fucked the guy with elephant titus barcelona was, that it was i don't remember but like she made cookies or yeah, whatever for these guys right. and i fucked the guy with elephant titus and everybody loved me there and then i came back it's like okay okay 
So like she she was story's hard to relate to, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, she's not good at that uh, stuff. I'm not sure where she's, she's going with that because one. then she went into yeah. like you you towed the line or you or you're screwed. Like you know, just just do this, A train. You don't have yeah. At least you don't have to fuck a dude with elephantitis, A train. Maybe All that's maybe he wants to uh, fuck a, good, a guy with elephantitis. Who knows? We don't know what he's like. I kind of I mean, like Ashley here, like the how she kind of is talking down to the lessers mm-hmm. of the seven, but still is kissing Homelander's ass. Like, I, I think that that dynamic suits her very well of like uh, just complete and total Vought brown noser ladder grabber kind of kind of kind of corporate shill. Yep. You know, she's just playing whatever game needs to be made. And then once she has stepped above a certain rank, everyone below her just fuck right off. Yeah. So a train does the part. He delivers the speech. Um, he does it really well, and he says it right into the face of Homelander's standing. Um, they walk off. They ask him if he wants to do another take, but it was really good. He says, no, nah, I'm all set. They're gone. Uh, this this kind of sucks. I Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're building for with him, um, if he's anti-Vot or if he's going to go another route or if he's going to go on a similar deep path where he just kind of joins another group or, or something. But... Um, I guess I'm excited to see where it goes. It just, it's really shitty. So I really, so I really hope it's building to something and not just shitting on him, just to shit on him. We get right. way like, too much time with Homelander for it to be nothing. Yeah, I, I will say he agree. does have a good going outline though. Had a good run. <laughs> hey, do we? Many finger guns and moon monster. Do we think? Okay, so just hypothetically speaking, say toward the end of the season everything does come to a head. Do we think a train's going to make it out alive? Cause I don't think he will. He's already losing his powers. Um, no. He's almost no. died once. Uh, yeah. I think he's, I think he's not going to make it. Like, I think whatever happens, he's done for. I think we get one of two things. I think we get what Craiger said last time where uh, he tries to help the boys and then gets uh, his, his legs lasered off by Homelander or, Someone is relying on him for something that's pivotal, and then he has a fucking compound V heart attack and just so I bites it. I think that's more likely. That's gonna. I don't come think back. he's actually gonna help out the boys because I don't see Huey working with A Train because of what happened. Yeah, like if anything, Huey will yeah. like take a I gun agree. out and shoot him no, in the leg really or something. But I could, but I could definitely see the latter where he'll try to help do something and he'll have a heart attack and die. Or Homelander will just kill him. Maybe the Church of the Collective becomes this... Maybe the Church of the Collective becomes like a third party, like a third active force on the field. That's where possible. like maybe A-Train joins up with them and then we have kind of two super groups that are kind of vying yeah, for control. That. Now that I Homelander... That. Now that like Homelander and Stormfront are, are making a real statement about the state of Vought these days. Yeah. Um, maybe there's an alternative kind of group that's going to jump up and maybe... The Church of the Collective is going to fill that, and maybe A Train would uh, find find greener pastures with some other group. Um, we shoot all over to outside of Vaught, where Stormfront has been having her rallies, and Victoria Newman, who really kind of seems like at this point is the AOC analog, <laughs> uh, speaking to a crowd of people, talking about how they're finally going to get hearings against Vaught and their misuse of Compound V and their international authority, which has been constantly way overstepped. In flies Homelander. Well, of course, it definitely is AOC because she 
he says that thing with like uh, I saw that video of you doing the like walk yep. like an Egyptian dance. So like, yeah, ah, God, I love all the like the little moments where they keep on oh, tying yeah. in the boys to present oh, dude, day like, events to just to make it more er- relatable. Earlier on, when Homelander is on the set with Maeve, and he's like, uh, you know, wh- what do you think of all those Joss rewrites? That hit me because yeah. of everything that's going on with the <laughs> Justice League, and it's still going on. So yeah, it's so yeah. good. It's just it, you're right. The tiny things, the tiny realism of of what's going on in in real life in the show it's it's amazing and i love it yeah it's very present so homelander flies in at this point the crowd goes dead fucking silent ashley watches panicked from a tablet uh from the set of the movie uh (laughs) kind of feel for it that this is not gonna end well she screams uh, for everyone to get outside fuck of the you, set Fuck you, fuck you, get the fuck <laughs> out. She points to the one dude, fuck you, get the fuck You're out. Cool. Like, what? <laughs> it's so great. Homelander addresses the crowd about the video that came out of him accidentally killing the innocent guy and effectively just is like, eh, shit happens, you know what happens? And the crowd is just it like, happens. wait, this has happened before? How many other times has this happened? And this is obviously getting out of his hands very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd turns on Homelander. There's a, a military gentleman in the office. Tries to appropriate. Like, you don't You don't speak for us. You don't speak for the military. You don't speak for the American people. Like, you speak for yourself and no one else. Um, and then Homelander lasers the shit out of everyone in the fucking crowd like a lawnmower on a hinge, just sweeping back and forth. Such a great shot. That was from cool. Above. Yeah. Just, yeah. Watching. Yeah. just like scything down blades like, of grass. Oh, horrifying. Or not. JK. It was just a daydream. <laughs> I, I was kind of disappointed that they pulled back on that. Cause yeah. I thought that'd be such a great turning point for him to just fucking lose it and murder dozens, if not hundreds of people. But he's definitely heading and then there. It didn't happen. It was like, <sighs> I completely believed it. There was no doubt in my mind at first that this was not some oh, daydream. 100% thought see, it was I actually think it's happening. Just too early. It's too early in the show, in the season, in the show. That's something maybe like yeah. season three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, I thought it was um, when this started happening. I'm like, oh, he's really. No, no, he can't be doing this. And then when they pulled back, I'm like, OK, OK, we're good. We got this. Especially. Yeah, I, I that's a season two yes, closer. That, they could have done it like I Vought has has survived Compound V coming out like they just scapegoat. They redirect. Yeah, they move but on. live Homelander might not have survived a PR like that. Yeah, like yeah, if, if Vought had to axe Homelander, that could have been a, okay. that could have been an interesting try, uh, play to make. They, they would have had to rebrand him like Stormfront <laughs> or something. Oh, this is Land Homer. He's a very different guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how they did this scene to show just how much of an on a knife's edge he is, where just the littlest push, he could go over the edge and just, you know, mass homicide like that. So easy for him. Very butcher, honestly. Yeah, yeah he's just a man on a without bigger a home. scale. Mm-hmm. Um, we shoot back over to Aunt Judy's house. Uh, the first responders are clearing homes of the gas leak. Judy tells everyone to get into the taffy room. Apparently, Judy's a drug dealer. Um, I like that, that. That's that's wonderful. But real quick though, can we can we just talk about the fact that the first responders cleared? I'm using air quotes here. Cleared all the houses. They come up saying, "Everybody come outside." The boys and Judy never left the house. So do they just knock on the door and oh nobody's home? Let's go to the next one. There's no gas leak here. Like 
What? You can only have gas where there's right? people. You well, know, it's, 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 it's the it's Star Wars. It's an abandoned so, house. It's a well-kept abandoned house. <laughs> it's, it's a Star Wars thing in New Hope <laughs> when the stormtroopers are checking like doors. Oh, this door is locked. Let's move on to the next one. They definitely can't be in there. As they're looking for. <laughs> can't be in the locked yeah. door. <laughs> I just found it funny. Um, we cut. To a, we cut to an amazing uh, de-evolution segment with Homelander watching the video of him addressing the crowd earlier. A manic violin plays in the background. We keep getting these cuts of him from different angles in this hallway by himself alone, punching the wall. Oh, like, so good. It was really good. Homelander is still holding on to the they, they need to love me bit. Like He is still not registering that not everyone is going to love him, um, but it is quickly being stripped away. He's he's totally losing it. And Dan, to your point, he, you know, is definitely at a knife's edge. He's about to like any any minor thing could tip it one way or another. He's always kind of flaunted Vought's restrictions. No comment. My dick. No comment. You know, he's just he's done whatever he wanted to do. And it's in the comics. He does have like a schizophrenic period when he like things happen and he doesn't remember them happen happening. And he starts to kind of have like this, this, this dual personality, one who like kind of embraces the homicidal megalomaniacal villain kind of personality. And the other one that's mom and apple pie, good old Homelander shtick. So it's kind of cool. Maybe that's, maybe we're going to get something like that here. So in the first season, he had uh, Madeline Stillwell as his handler. So she was able to deescalate everything for him. So he, he, he fucked something up like perfect example, the plane, you know, crashing and and them fucking all that up. Uh, they were able to turn that to their advantage. Madeline helped that. Season two here, we got Edgar, who is now in charge. Like you guys are saying, the the daddy complex and him not um, really taking Homelander shit. He's literally not helping Homelander right. at all. Homelander is now fending for himself, um, and, and obviously Stormfront is pushing him left and right like he just keeps she keeps edging him on like oh you don't really you know Voth's just whatever just just do what you want you know just it's fine um yeah I, I think he's he's having that mental breakdown like he's like you guys have been saying this entire show this one and previous episodes he is a child he doesn't know he he needs the affection of not only the people in charge of him but the public if the public and people in charge are not there to give him that affection and show him that they love him, he's going to go crazy. Like he, when when he when he jumped down yeah. on on the uh, Newman and they start saying, like, you know, this has happened before. When does it happen? How many have died? He's like, well, no, that's that's not what I mean, guys. You guys are you guys are not listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> he He is putting on that facade of everything I do is for you guys. Why don't you love me? Uh, it, yeah it's and it's crack as it like you said it's it's cracking him it's with them not liking him he was he was so upset earlier on when he was down nine points nine and a half points like his image is yep. him if his yeah. image is not perfect who is homelander you know he's kind of nothing yeah well that's how vaught has exactly. taught him to be you are exactly. your image that is your worth you know Something that you said there about like him him losing everything kind of makes me think that maybe there's a little bit of intentionality kind of connecting who who else have we seen is a person like he's lost everything and he is latching on to Stormfront. The only kind of, you know, one one person who can help him out. One person is really giving him the time to get his points back up. 
Yeah, uh, really. Um, that's sort of like what's happening with Huey in, in his whole arc. Like, he's lost everything, and he's latching onto a person who's probably not good to latch onto. I don't think any of us would argue that Butcher no. is a good person to, like, you know, have a you-got-a-friend-in-me right. sort of moment with. But don't worry, Huey's not mad at him. <laughs> not so. mad, no, 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 no. Like, I just, it was hard, but I'm not mad at yeah. you. So uh, we see Stormfront is on the phone with a nurse talking about how the job isn't easy. He plays with a lighter that says Titty Committee on it. As Stormfront <laughs> says, you know, sacrifices need to be made. References some other kid and says he's a hero. Um, I think... I, yeah, what is going on We don't here? really this know what's going on here. I think with some information from later in the episode, something might have happened to Gecko. I don't think it's Gecko. Um, the boy that they're talking about. I don't know who okay. it is, but... Um, th- that was... I have yeah. no idea. Like this, this I'm just, I'm just trying to put stuff into that puzzle piece, regardless of whether it fits <laughs> or not. Um, Homelander. So Homelander. I'm, I'm talk about that scene real briefly. Yeah. I was a, well, first I was really happy because I was like, Oh, it's Iceman. It was Sean Ashmore. It was the nurse oh, that plays Iceman gotcha. in the X-Men movies. And anybody's listened to any of our shows probably knows that Iceman is my favorite superhero. So I was like, Oh, that's cool. Always playing with the layer. It's kind of funny to me. Him behind yeah. you at this very moment. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> um, I I okay, I forgot the actor's last name. I looked it up before doing the show, and it kind of spoiled who that is. I don't want to say it here because it could spoil the show, not the comic. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that he's playing with a lighter, and I just to me that was funny that he's like Iceman's he the biggest role he's oh, had here. Yeah. He's playing with fire. Isn't that a thing that um, Pyro did in the one of the X-Men movies? He yep. just always car- yeah. carry around a lighter because he can manipulate yeah, he fire, but he can't make it? Yeah. Okay. Hey, exactly. I remembered something about X-Men. Hey! I did great. <laughs> so while she's on the phone, Homelander knocks on the door. Uh, he enters her trailer. Apparently, she's running. she's been running some like alt-right uh, meme-style misinformation campaigns. Uh, that I could legit see on like any one of my racist uncles' Same, fucking Facebook dude. walls. Like they were, they're they're a little they're a little too close. They to, were too uh, real. Yeah, for fucking real. Um, and Stormfront pretty much just says, "Well, when you see your uncle post it, well, you know it's working." I I really like how they are putting a direct line between Homelander's style of America and Stormfront style of America. Like these aren't new issues in the conservative kind of wing of our of our society the xenophobia of american exceptionalism has always been there but it's it's taking on a very distorted form these days so like i think that it's 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 nice to see them juxtaposed next to each other like that yeah um back at judy's place uh they're down can i skip ahead no you're good no you're good nope uh back at judy's place uh oh the the booby traps and bombs are set up for black noir Everyone's just kind of chilling in the taffy room. Uh, Huey asked Judy who Lenny is. Uh, apparently, it was Butcher's little brother, as we discussed a little bit earlier. A skinny, nervous little guy that looked a lot like Huey. And she tells the story about how in fourth grade, a bully broke Lenny's nose. And Butcher went to him and beat the shit out of him, smashing his fucking skull in with a I seesaw. love that. <laughs> you can just see it. We've seen oh Butcher God. do this shit so many yeah. times. Like, the scene with him in the sink in the subway stage, you can see mm-hmm. little Billy Butcher doing that with a seesaw so easily. It said it took Brutal. parents and other kids to try to pull him off, um, and even with a smashed face, Lenny got up and apparently was able to calm Butcher down and walk him away. 
Um, yeah, he's he's always needed a canary. You know, at first it was Lenny, then it was yeah. Becca. Now it's Huey. Um, but he's always kind of needed someone to filter these violent tendencies that he got pretty much directly from his uh, from his dad. Um, yeah. He. Uh, Huey speaks of, of Lenny in the in the present tense and Judy corrects him. Uh, Huey goes to ask, you know, well, what happened to him, which is when we hear some bombs going off. Yeah. So um, in the comics, Lenny is dead. I don't think that it happened in a dramatic way. I think he just like died in the war or something or or just uh, no, he got, I think he got fucking hit by a bus or something like for plot reasons. Um, it was it was really just a random accident, but it lost. It made Butcher lose the only thing that was tying him to it. But yeah, um, Butcher wanted to go kill his father because of all the domestic abuse shit that he was doing. And Lenny stopped him because it would break their mother's heart. So like the whole Lenny being his his sort of canary thing is is definitely something that they take right from the comics. And I, I think pretty well, pretty well integrated into this scene, just as we're seeing Butcher really grapple with not having anything left, nothing left to lose, wants to just go beat people up at a random bar for no reason. Like this is this. It makes sense to bring up all of that stuff about him needing a canary right now. Yep. So, as uh, as Huey's asking Judy about what happened to Lenny, a bomb goes off, and we get this really awesome, intense scene where we hear the bomb go off. There's a little bit of silence, and then we hear footsteps. Black Noir is continuing. Another bomb goes off. Everyone waits and listens, and the footsteps keep going. They're getting slower, but they're still going. Another one goes off. I like the idea that he didn't learn from the first two. <laughs> right. I was just going to bring up, like, again, he's a shitty ninja, but at the same time, <laughs> well, he, I bet he's he doing it on be. purpose. Right. I bet he says, Yeah, he's just doing it on purpose because he knows it's not really going to hurt him. Terror starts barking. Butcher flips out quick, tries to get him to be silent. Everyone's kind of hushed people down. We get another couple bombs. And then we start hearing a ting, 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 ting of a tear gas grenade going down one of the air vents into. Uh, the basement into the taffy room butcher uh so they all panic they go out the side door into the house there's fucking fire and destroyed home everywhere butcher kind of pushes huey back into the safe room closes the door um and says that he's going to go confront uh noir he picks up a fire poker and calls him out calls him a cunt <laughs> and, a bunch of or gift cunt. mm <laughs> mm jumps in around the corner starts just fucking firing at him and loading at him with a starts handgun blasting noir throws like a, they're either shuriken or knives or, or some type of <laughs> <laughs> um throw some knives at him takes mm down uh he continues to to look at a butcher and then fucking huey of all people then jumps around the corner and starts fucking firing starts at him. blasting Black Noir gets right up to Huey. He like blows through fucking Black Noir's hand with the gun before Black Noir grabs a gun and, you know, lightly tosses Huey to the floor. Um, doesn't, um, doesn't, I don't know if I miss saw this, but does Noir just have a bunch of nails sticking out of him at this point? Like, were they nail bombs? Are they, yeah, yeah they're 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 kind of bombs, the bombs, the bombs, yeah. Right, yeah. Yep. That was, so that was a nice detail. Yeah, it was cool looking. Just like they were all over him. He, he looked a little steampunk. He clearly didn't care. Not even a little bit. 
Um, Butcher attacks Noir, actually gets a couple really good fucking hits in him. Like Noir is actually like, it seems like taking the the impact of of the blows um, before being dropped to the floor. Um, Noir is hovering over Huey's bot or not body, just his you know his regular person. Still body, yeah, body and soul, yes. Yeah, um, and <laughs> looks like he's about body. to kill him. And Butcher interrupts by talking about how he's going to release pictures uh, from the cloud. Uh, if, if anything happens to Huey of Homelander's rape baby Ryan um, existing powers and all uh, Noir picks up Butcher by the neck, places him against a wall and his phone rings, which uh, <laughs> the ringtone is the hallelujah chorus, which is fucking incredible. I was, like, I was like, what is happening? What is this music? And then he picks up the phone and is like, oh my God, of course, Black Noir is so weird. Because it was Black Noir, I was expecting like keychain on the phone with like a Hello Kitty thing on it's it. So or like good. just a big pink sparkle phone that's or something. That's too Deadpool. Yeah, Hello that's Kitty. very true. He, he's got um, that Adventure Time watch. They just don't yeah. show it. <laughs> um, and it's Edgar. Stan Edgar's on the phone watching through Black Noir's body cam. So even in a world where the seven exist and do heinous things, uh, they still have body cams that function. That's um, that's really... Wants to make... Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say that uh, I, I really like that. It seems like Butcher knew ahead of time that he wasn't talking Noir to Noir. He was talking to whoever Noir's handler is. Right. Clearly, Noir right. is not in control here. Someone behind him is. Um, so I'm not actually talking to the tool. I'm talking to the person holding the tool. So Noir hands Butcher the phone and uh, Butcher and Edgar make a deal saying, do you, Edgar's initially like, is that, is that real? Do you really have those? Which is like, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> sure they is. Um, and uh, he's like, okay, hand the phone back to Noir. Butcher hands the phone back. Gives a disgruntled, eh, lets Butcher down and leaves. I love how it's like immediate. Like he puts the phone up to his head and then he puts it away and just walks away. Yeah. Like, no, no he doesn't ever give any kind of emotion. He doesn't um, show any, doesn't give any information you have at new, all. He you just have new orders. Yeah, so he, he's there on a mission and the mission's right. over. He just walks away. Um, as they're laying there in the wake of all this fucking destruction, Huey asks him if he really has those pictures. Butcher responds with a super convincing. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Huey's smile. He's just like, oh, I, you rye bastards. I, I yeah. really like this. This, uh, I kind of butchered coming back into the fold a little bit. I was legit, like, on the edge of the seat, metaphorically. Uh, I was laying <laughs> on the couch at six in the morning because my kid was up already. Uh, like, thinking how in the hell was butcher getting out of this are they actually going to off him because that would be awful because i love butcher so much but like i found i thought that would be kind of interesting to see where that would put the story but like to lose butcher and carl urban from the show would just be like too much but i was like what are they going to do they can't have like last time they got out of it because they had a, a soup with them like they don't have that now like what ace does he have up his sleeve i got pictures yeah (laughs) all right i'll take it Sounds good. Also, also the fact that he has pictures, so or at least that he's willing to talk openly about um, about Ryan. So like Mm. every time he's talked to the the boys, presumably his team, the people on his side, he hasn't really mentioned much about Becca or Ryan. Just like I need to go get Becca. 
it's not important the details don't matter i don't need to tell them to you fuck off um yeah but he's kind of showing growth in that he's openly discussing aspects of his personal life in order to save huey because like Mm. he's said like i don't really care about him He, he doesn't he doesn't get me to my goal of saving becca so fuck him but he does it like i don't know if the old butcher would have given that up I think that's telling like he's he's willing to open himself up to this this his personal life. He's willing to share this information about Ryan to not only Black Noir, but also uh, to Huey and M.M. Um, that I don't know. That's growth. Yeah, maybe we see the switch here of if everything Butcher does is for a reason, if that reason used to be uh, for Becca, maybe it's shifted to bot or Homelander or keeping the boys alive. So all of those things and all that information is a resource to either protect them or to potentially hurt a Homelander. Well, Huey um, is his new Becca, so that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for season four where Homelander rapes Huey. <laughs> well, uh, that, that's Butcher's, probably not. Butcher's new Becca. <laughs> he'll and, have, come on, he'll have, uh, Huey. He'll have terror. Yeah. <laughs> We jump back over to the Church of the Collective. Uh, we see a non-promo this time of uh, the Deep uh, for the first time this episode, handing out the collective books to what seems like a, a long line of people that I guess we're expecting most likely like a soup kitchen or, or some type well, of... Well, it um, literally says, they say yeah. we're handing out food. This is food for your soul. <laughs> food Shut up, the Deep. Yeah, that's sucks. Oh, I'd be that so, made me oh, so, so irritated. So shitty. Yeah. Uh, Maeve walks in, kind of cuts the line, uh, Deep goes in for a hug. She fucking retracts. No. Uh, he asks if she's here for the book. She says, God, no. <laughs> but pulls him aside to talk to him and says, uh, for the Deep to get back in the seven, he needs a woman to tell everyone that he's not a huge piece of shit. The Deep goes, wait, you think I'm a piece of shit? To which she responds, well, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, do you and do this, not? This is the point where this is why I don't think the deep is brainwashed. I think he's too oblivious to be brainwashed. I think he's being told that there's a way to get back in. He's like, oh, all right. Yeah, let's do it. What do we got to do? Come mm-hmm. on, bro. Over, overexcited dog. <laughs> yeah. with bro. That's that's the way I read it, at least. Uh, but Maeve offers him a deal effectively saying, hey, I'll help you get back in. But you need to do something for me. Um, is she, she bringing the Avengers together to go against uh, fucking the Seven here, or against? I think Homelander she's making she's making a play, maybe. I think she, so. or maybe not a play, but she's definitely yeah. putting pieces where she needs to put them. Deep's a wild card for me. This is not someone I would trust to come to my side. I would expect him to use this moment to be to fucking go right to Homelander. I would. I would trust him to get me to my get coffee. Back in the seven. Right, right. Well, just she's got to have a hell of a plan that needs to involve the deep because he sucks. <laughs> he's right? not relevant he either. Like he's not coming back. No, there's no like I don't know what the Church of Collective is cooking up, but Vought hasn't stated in any capacity that yeah, they want Vought, the deep back. Vought doesn't so. care, right? Why do people care about him so much? Here's here's what I'm hoping for. I am hoping that she is planning for the deep's inevitable betrayal, and that she is bringing him in and giving him just enough information to know that he will try to use that to get back on Homelander's good side and to be brought back in, but it will all be part of her larger plot. That's that's what I'm hoping for. 
Um, and I could see the show doing it. She hasn't really struck me as a mastermind, though. Like, I mean, she, yeah. she's she's more put together than most of them. She's no Adrian, mm-hmm. but like, it. I don't know if she. Uh, I don't know if she she would necessarily be that underhanded. Um, not that I have anything against her. I think that her character is running on all cylinders at the moment, and I I really yeah. like this idea of trying to, you know, congregate the non alt right aspects of Vought's, uh Seven at the moment to like try to come. Maybe she just wants to have some people on her side. I don't know. Maybe it's not quite a plan. Let as you said, putting pieces in motion. Yeah. I think, too, is that we've seen so little of Maeve. Like, we're finally getting to know her now. Like, she was barely in season one, other than the airplane scene. Otherwise, she was just standing there. Like, we don't know how smart she is. Maybe she, this is something that's, like, her forte. Maybe she is putting together this plan. Or maybe it's going to be a shitty plan and it's going to blow up in their face immediately. Yeah. Right, she might have been playing dumb up until this point it. because that was her image in, in, right. in yeah. 7. That, that's a good point. Uh, back over on the movie set, uh, Stormfront is heading out to the shoot. Starlight kind of sees her, goes by, and sneaks into her trailer. <laughs> Pulls up her Surface fucking Tablet Pro or whatever. And tries to crack the password by guessing the password Liberty first. Um, it was wrong. She used the the name that she dropped in the meeting with her mom at the at craft services, which was Adele. And, oh shit, fucking Stormfront enters, like, immediately right after that. Um, she sees some emails that have a bunch of like the same, yeah, uh, to and from the same name. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Me neither. I was like, whatever that name was was a big deal. Um, I really liked this initially when Stormfront walks in and Starlight is there. She's quick, pretending to yeah. be like she's upset about the interaction from earlier. She's so quick. Um. And initially I was like, oh, fucking Starlight on the ball again. She's a fucking badass bitch. This yeah. is awesome. Stormfront doesn't buy it at all. No. Um, she knows that Gecko got the compound V. She knows that Starlight's the one that leaked it to MSNBC. How does she know all this? Um, Starlight Starlight uh, taps two mana real quick to counter <laughs> with, well, I'll fucking leak that you're Liberty. Um, and Stormfront kind of just gets this like, you're a poison flower. You know that? You're going to be so useful. We're going to be such I like how good she buddies. didn't confirm nor deny <laughs> yes, that she was Yes, I was going to say the same thing. Right. <laughs> I, I really like, um, like, I, yes, she gets called out because Stormfront's been playing this game a long time. She's a better actor than Starlight. But consider where we came from. And, like, it's, it's hammered home many times this season that Starlight's willing to play the game. She's getting wise to how Vought yep. does business. So the fact that she's looking at her files, door opens immediate, immediately acts like a huffy. Don't, you know, don't talk to my mom like that. Um, creating this kind of like reasonable, um, reasonable, like this, this excuse that she would be there in the first place. That isn't just like snooping. Like I right. just felt so proud of her. <laughs> like she's so, come mm. such yeah. a long way. <laughs> Without just demeaning, trying to be demeaning to her, I feel the same exact way. It's like, yeah. good fucking job, kid. Yeah, she's, I like the cut of your gym. She's doing great. Um, Star, or Star, Stormfront responds with the poison flower comment. It's like, how could you do this to your own people? Starlet's like, oh, you mean white people? And Stormfront's like, no, superheroes. How could you do this to other superheroes? What do you mean, white people? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Starlight's eyes go bright the lights uh, in the trailer dim and Stormfront says Starlight is going to be a big help and enter Homelander 
One second. Well, apparently was not. Yeah, go for One it. One second. Uh, I just because I haven't seen them standing off before, it didn't occur to me. We've got some real potential for an electricity battle on our hands because like Stormfront uses electricity. Starlight uses. That's going to be that awesome. Would be- Please, yeah, please make it the alt, right? Yeah, please make be, it happen. That'd be really cool to see. <laughs> I, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the title of the episode, Light versus the Alt-Right. I like that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> enter Homelander, Starlight, um, and Stormfront kind of give us like, oh, we, we're just having girls. Running lines, Starlight yeah. uses that as a chance to get the fuck out of there. Um, Stormfront at Homelander asks, what's up? Stormfront defers and Homelander doesn't really care because he's up five points. So initially when he came in, I was like, he's been listening the whole time. He now knows that Starlight leaked it. He has super hearing when he wants to and when he's not distracted. When it's when appropriate is, to the plot, yeah. he has super hearing. Now, to be fair, like it said, if, if you had super hearing on all the time, it would be deafening. Like I, that makes sense. Yeah. Like we can. I mean, I can't. Con- well, haven't you ever seen I can't heroes? control how much I hear. I was why yeah, that, that was why that old lady uh, kept on listening to rap music because it's the only thing to drown it out. It's a weakness. Yo, I remember one episode. Of Heroes. <laughs> I don't. I don't um, remember that um, part. Yeah. But yeah, I kinda, um, I remember once you said it. So <laughs> I'll take it. So they talk about how he's up five points. He's fucking elated. Uh, he says he owes her, and she says. What are you ever going to do to repay me? <laughs> I don't have enough money for that pizza. Surely we can come to some sort of arrangement. <laughs> so it's, it's funny because early, earlier we, uh, on when she and when Stormfront and Homelander are talking, uh, Homelander is going into his uh, uh, trailer and she walks away saying, you know, to, you know where to find me when you want me. Or, or something like that. Yep. And then yep, yep, yep. we get this line. Yeah, when yeah. you want it's me. Like, that was okay. Okay. line. They've been very deliberately yes. dialing this yes. dialogue up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so is she oh, just God, yeah. him at this point or is she? Yeah, yeah she's yeah. definitely For sure. She's definitely handling him in a different way. Like he's not a, he's not in control of this. <laughs> she, she's it's, definitely it's in one control of those things of where we don't know. I've got a exactly, plan. But... I'm going to make you think it's your plan, but it's really my plan that I'm telling you. And you're going to say it's your plan, but it's really my plan like that. It. She's yeah. she's been doing this shit for like 50 years. Like they can't pull one over on her. Allegedly. Allegedly she's been yeah, doing this. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like they, they are um, alluding to that hardcore in this episode. It makes me think that Yeah. She's not Lamplight. Or I'm sorry, she's not Liberty. Like she, she might, might be, be Lamplighter. lamplighter. If it's the Lamplighter from the comics, that'd, that'd be, be really weird. But um <laughs> I did get to that part. Uh <laughs> Yeah, he is Zombo. Oh. <laughs> um, so we shoot back over to uh, Aunt Judy's house. Butcher says his goodbye to Terror and Judy. Uh, he's going to leave Terror with a new little fuck toy thing. He says the line. Um, <laughs> That's home says the line. That's but Homelander. He Terror, says the line. He says, fuck it. Says the line, fuck, yep. which is what's fuck it. They um, they do that all the time. Con- constantly in the comics. It's just any, like, like I think that, Tim, you see this part where he says to he tells uh he tells a uh, terror to fuck a mm-hmm. like a chihuahua or something to get it to sh- yeah because he just because he hates chihuahuas because he's a bad person he continuously yeah. tells terror to fuck things and they're, they're not always animals like sometimes they're people <laughs> it's, it's like a weird common refrain 
Um, so he he hugs Judy goodbye, and for the second time this season, uh, Daddy's back. Butcher's back. <laughs> Better than ever. M.M. Huey get into the car. Butcher gets into his, and Aerosmith's Dream On plays. The gang, for the most part, is back together. We're still missing Kamiko and Frenchie, um, but it seems like, at least for now, there are multiple teams forming and reforming with the intent to bring down both Vought and Homelander. Um, we go over to... This is a closer, in it? And we get an incredible scene. So I was confused. <laughs> I was confused by this real, yeah, real quick. Because, again, like I said, I was watching this at work. We had the scene where she says, what are you ever going to do to repay <laughs> me? And then all of a sudden, they're having a throwdown sex scene. I thought they were still in the trailer. I didn't know they went back to the tower. Right. So I was like, wow, that's a I that's initially a thought trailer. that at first, too. It's until we get one of those pan outs and you see like the skyline or whatever in the background. But we get this thing. They're being very coy with one another. They're walking up. She starts to um, like undo her, the top part. I want to say blouse, but the top (laughs) top of a fucking superhero outfit or whatever. And they're doing this back and forth thing where they'll kiss and throw someone else to the other side of the road. Homelander gets off. He's fucking like a little bit angry at first, maybe a little bit surprised. His fucking eyes go red. And that's when she pulls her blouse apart and tells uh, him to don't be a pussy and laser my fucking tits. (laughs) Homelander blasts all over her fucking chest and she likes it. It's painful. It leaves a pretty big fucking burn, but she's super into it. Oh, because she he does it and she's like, ah, and he stops. She's like, don't stop. I can tell you to fucking stop. (laughs) Like, what? Um, She says, See, I told you I don't break easy. And then they proceed to beat the ever-living shit out of each other while fucking each other all over this apartment, throwing each, uh, each other through pillars. Fucking what an incredible scene. Uh, the Punching each other in the face. Yeah. yeah it's it's the, the superhero version of, of like just a little, you know, I just want some rough trade. I just want to like, you know, like pull my hair a little bit. I Like this is the superhero version of it. More is on the table uh, this time. I do think it that goes, it's intentional that this scene is as violent as it is. <laughs> like for sure. Oh, for sure. It's it's not just for like the sake of comedy, although that that is there. Um, but this whole episode has been about like how different characters deal with their violent impulses. Kimiko, Butcher, uh, and now we see like that, you know, Huey dealt with his like he wanted to off himself after Robin died, and he used that to constructively try to take down Vaught. Um Kimiko and Butcher kind of surrender the violence, and we see that Homelander and Stormfront not only surrender to it, but are actively destructive mm-hmm. with it, as evidenced mm-hmm. by the fact that they just blow up the penthouse. <laughs> um, just this, I think one of the key parts of this whole thing is Homelander doesn't really have anyone else at his level. I think the scene that we saw of the the viral video of him blowing through that one super terrorist and it and it going through and killing someone else, he is regularly playing at a scale that no one else is playing on, and her demonstrating to him that number one she is not breakable, that she is almost trying to make him aware that she is at his level, um, is going to go a long way into making him not feel so alone and not as much of an outcast. She might actually be trying to humanize him a little bit. And get him away from the my only identity is Homelander 
my only identity is the corporate image. And if there's not that, then there's nothing. Um, she might actually be trying to, I don't know, elevate him and, a little bit here as a and he's identity. And he's really raw for this right now, too, because in season one, he wanted to have this with Maeve and was rejected right like that we're the only people we can talk to you understand me like no one else does like we should be gods among men but you're you know with 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 elena he wanted to have this with ryan ryan pushed him down and defended his mom to him and like you know so he's been rejected at this level before of like there oh there it looks like there's somebody who's at my level no just kidding it looks like there's somebody at my level no just kidding so like he's really this is a desire that he has continued to have yep I, I think very legitimately had him and um, Stormfront not been having this back and forth this whole time, Elena would have been toast. Maeve would be in really serious fucking trouble if there wasn't this side development um, for him to be focused. Right. On. Like, I don't think that their interaction would have been playful at all over any of that stuff had Stormfront not been there kind of on the edges teasing yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Probably, yeah. But yeah, so... We ended with a bang. Yeah. Didn't we, though? Good one. <laughs> the image of them float fucking. I wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that was it. That brings us to the end of uh, the second half. The end of the start of the second half. End of the second half already. I was like, what? <laughs> episode uh, five. Episode about five that? Of, of the boys season two. We got to go now. <laughs> I have been your host, uh, Tim, from the Professional Casual Network. Uh, Dan has been my co-host tonight. Hi. You can find him on uh, Gapapa, the Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure, a Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay actual play podcast, also here on the network, as well as Big Fiction Energy, where they go through the young adult fantasy novel, Lonnie Girl Without Fear. Uh, as always, uh, two for this series, we have Ben Relaford uh, from FancyBand.com. And the Carton cast. Uh, you'll also see him in an upcoming actual play of the Pathfinder 2 Lost Omen show. And our very special guest. Uh, you may have heard him on referenced on uh, Elite Eight Showdown because, as we all know, hashtag Gennaro did it first. Joe Gennaro <laughs> of the comic book rundown. Uh, thank you guys. And come back next week. Our episode will be a little bit delayed, but. It'll still be there before the newest episode goes up for episode six of The Boys. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the Professional Casual Network has to offer, including season one of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lainey, the girl without fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the professional casual network's Warhammer fantasy roleplay actual play podcast. We're playing through the enemy within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB Try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. 
Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 